Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Terp fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast. I'm back. It's Thursday, November 18th, 2021. It's been a minute since I've been able to get behind the microphone. Ryan held it down last week with the Solo Man show. Respect, Ryan, because I know how hard that is. Yeah, it, w- it was interesting. I hope you guys enjoyed it out there. <laughs> well, this week we got a lot to catch up on. We're going to talk about a missed opportunity up in East Lansing and the continued self-inflicted mistakes this team makes. Yeah, it was... Not great. It was an exciting game to watch, but you just we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot. And I'm not sure if it gets much easier this week. It is senior day. Uh, hopefully that helps out with a little bit of magic, but you're going to need it against the sixth-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. We're also going to talk a little bit about a, a rare opportunity that Ryan and I got to sit courtside for a men's hoops game. Uh, we're going to kind of give you a little bit of uh, inside information of our experience from that and uh, a big thank you uh, to our big donor. At D.C. Barna really hooked us up, yeah. buddy. Um, fans calling already though <laughs> the court side didn't didn't get everybody happy uh fans calling for Turge's head already with one loss on the season uh just goes back to who our fans are uh just <laughs> completely unrealistic expectations uh don't take any responsibility for themselves uh we're gonna have to lay into the student section as much praise as we gave them during football season i'm going to eat you alive for your basketball presence thus far yeah i mean if the fans had it their way both coaches would be on the chopping block at this point football yeah, and, and basketball and so. the fans would only have to show up if it was a number one versus number two matchup <laughs> right exactly <laughs> all right man we're gonna start this week off with football as we lose 40 to 21 to number seven michigan state fall to five and five on the season 40 to 21 sounds bad. Uh, to me, it's a score that sounded worse than what it really was. But the issues, they're all familiar issues. A lot of self inflected mistakes and poor execution. Yeah, it was really a game that you really felt that they weren't out of it till they were out of it. It was very similar to the Penn State game. I. If you don't see that this team has progressed during this year, then you're blind. Right. I mean, yes. Are we losing still? Uh huh. But you're losing not as bad against equally ranked opponents, and you're also down another eight starting players. So how much better would we be without that? Right. And and the thing is, we're not getting on we're not getting beat on the field because the talent is that much better. We're getting beat on the field by again problems of our own, things that are controllable, things that we can fix as a team and as coaches. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some some places the offensive line is not as good as we thought it was but it's not the, it's I, I not just don't feel the like discrepancy is as bad oh, as it was it's the best offensive line we've had in recent memory since probably since the big 10 joining the big 10 it's the best offensive line we've had right but and they've stayed remotely healthy um so it's it that's been a a, a positive point but talia has been hassled f- early and often and uh, has really had to make some miracle plays it's very similar to your ravens where like he has made all the plays to keep us in the game like lamar makes all the plays to keep us in the game and therefore those plays he blows to lose the game shine so bright you're absolutely when- right a- absolutely right and, and and i don't want to go through a complete recap of this game but i do want to take you through just the 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 middle and end portion of this game of how how close this game was to ending differently. I mean, because in the beginning, it, it didn't start well. I mean, you had the, what, the the trick play, the flea, the flicker, flea flicker on the first drive that took the air out of the, you know, air out of the sideline. It was, uh, it was a rough start. Been, how much have we been complaining all year? How have we still not had a single trick play? I know. The closest thing to a trick play we had was the option flick to a, a tight end going up the middle, right. which is a every other play for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's not a trick play. It's <laughs> right. just a well-designed play. Right. Like every college school 
does this at every level. The only schools like that I can't think of is really Bama and yeah. maybe Georgia. Like they don't do it. It's but- a great point. And and when you're going to go up against talent like this and teams that are this good, you need those types of things to be a difference maker, to be the the get you over the hump type of thing when you are in a close game to potentially win those types of games. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm right there with you. The team absolutely so needs to pull it out. Uh, but let, let's, like I said, let's take a, a dive down this road in this game, right? They were down 27 to seven in the first half and you think the game's out of hand and here we go. We're on our way to another blowout. But then Leah comes right before the end of the half responds with a great four, four play 80 yard drive for a touchdown to Chig, to Chig on a 32 yard touchdown makes it 27 to 14 going into the half, right? Then they drive down the field to start the second half, and Leah throws the terrible pick. So right, just like you said, right before the half, he sets herself up. He do, he looks good, and then coming out of the half, he drives down the field. You think the momentum's switching, and then boom, you get in the yeah. red zone. He throws a pick. Yeah, you're in the red zone, looking to come within six points after being in the midst of a blowout. Right. So there you go. There's a missed opportunity for. At least three points, if not seven there, right? Next possession, Michigan State drives down the field, scores a touchdown. Now the lead's 34-14. Next possession, Maryland gets the ball, drives down. Chick catches his second 32-yard touchdown pass, brings a score to 34-21. We're down 13 points at this point, and I'm still feeling like we're in this game. 13 points, it's two possessions, right? Am, is, am I wrong? No, because we were moving the ball so easy. Like right. we, we were scoring or we were driving down inside their 20, 25, and then turning the ball over. There, there was no resistance to the Terps that moment, so you didn't feel like you were out of the game. And one of the things that's been lacking for us has been turnovers for the defense, creating turnovers, right? Super lacking. It's been five or six games. Exactly. Well, we finally get a big one. Defense comes up big on the next drive. Ami Finau forces the fumble that still ends up recovering. So we get the ball back, down 13 points. Things feel good, but then the wheels fall fucking off. You get down to the two-yard line. It's first and goal from the two, and they go three and out, and Leah takes a terrible intentional grounding penalty that has been a problem of his all year long. It didn't happen just once in this game. It happened multiple times. Then it sets up Petrino for now a 40-yard field goal attempt that looked terrible, something I could have kicked. And there you go, another miss seven or at least three in that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really bad. He has that of some very bad defensive or uh, intentional groundings, I mean, this year. He seems to think dropping back in the pocket means you're out of the pocket. You can't be behind a pocket. You right. have to be left or right of the pocket balls, man. And then you still, in, in college, have to get the ball to the line of scrimmage. And, and he I drops would, back so far, there's no way he's going to get it to the line exactly. of scrimmage throwing he's, off his back foot. 30, 40 yards back <laughs> running backwards. Right. I will say the second intentional grounding he had a bit more of an argument chig did everything he could to make it not get called he came sprinting back and was within 10 to 15 yards running towards the area so if you're getting hit trying to throw to that player it was arguable but after you had that first intentional grounding of course they're going to call the second one in that scenario right if, if that was the lone one I'd, I'd have a real argument but you you didn't earn any credit by doing that the drive before and to your point there that you know even after that bad, you know, intentional grounding penalty and Petrino misses that 40-yard attempt. The defense makes another stop, and then the Terps drive down, get into Michigan State territory. Leah takes that bad, ground, uh, bad grounding penalty, and then they fail to convert on fourth down. So there's another missed three points. So I'm counting right there between those couple of mistakes, you know, at maximum 17 points of missed opportunity there and maybe nine points. So again, when you're talking, you know, a, a 40 to 21 game, 17 points makes all the difference there. Yeah, it could it could have been, <laughs> been completely different. Not to mention, if you score on the first two times, you probably break Michigan State's soul in that moment. The fact right. that you have stormed back from that kind of lead is going to be awfully hard for them to keep the motivation going. Um, so it the whole game could have been different, but it's what it could have, should have. It is what it is. Uh, we get we it have is a what it more is. Options. but it's 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 super it's it's super frustrating because, like you said, between the twenties and Loxley actually talked about this in his post game press conference. Between the twenties, 
They've been very effective. They've been able to move the ball. But getting down in that red zone is where you have to be efficient, is where all of the communication issues cannot happen. Uh, and Locks talks a little bit about that now. I mean, you know, to me, Leah uh, has done that, uh, has continued to execute in between the 20s, but we've got to get everybody inside the 20. Once we get it in the red area, that's where we have to have a really uh, high amount of uh, attention to detail to our execution. So, again, we made plays from the 20 to the 20, but it's going to be really important. If you want to win against quality ranked opponents like Michigan State, that when we get it down in there, we've got to come away with touchdowns. He's absolutely right. Again, if you want to look at the box score, Leah puts up great stats, 29 of 48, 350 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the one interception. Uh, he actually used his legs a lot more in this game. He had that 45-yard run down the sideline, which they seem to use more design runs in this game for him. But again, it's it's the effectiveness inside the red zone that's leaving all these points on the board. Well, I mean, you're playing Canadian football without a Canadian football end zone. <laughs> all we do is throw the ball. Right. And so when you get down the red zone, there isn't all the room to throw the ball. We have little to no running game whatsoever. And when we do run the ball it, at the goal line, I think they make piss poor decisions on who's doing it and how we're doing it. Right. Yeah, the running game actually looked really, really different in this game. You had Shallon uh, Famitao, who's out due to surgery and is expected to miss the rest of the season. Uh, you and did have, honoring him at senior day, so it doesn't look like he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, you did have Petty Boone out there, uh, who he returned to Michigan, Michigan being his home state. Looked good early, uh, had a, a really nice, tough run straight between the tackles. You know, and right, then we stopped giving him the ball, because that's what we do with good running. It did, didn't make it sense. I mean, he only carried the ball five times for 42 yards in this game. And he did have all the of them were but, like in the first two drives, right. and he scored a touchdown. Yeah. I, and then you're on the goal line, first goal in the two, you have... Big boy C.J. Dupree at fullback, and you have Penny Boone at running back. How is that not your goal line package? Yeah, how do you not? Run? I I just don't get it. Like it's there. There is so much fun in this offense. It's fun to watch when it's clicking, but then, but then it's just stubborn because it's it's it, that's all they do. They're like, this is what we do. Right. No, I'm sorry, the offense changes inside the ten, bro. Right. Like there's there's other ways to do it. You got to have more balance. Uh, like, again, especially inside the red zone. I mean, listen, it, it wasn't a terrible game for Leah by any means. He led some great quick scoring drives like we talked about. Uh, he did miss on some high throws. He killed himself with the bad penalties and decisions. Um, but he also had some drop passes out there by his wide receivers, which continues to be a problem. Yeah, what else is new? <laughs> I really think at this point we're not talking enough about how much of a loss, though, Dante Demas was. I mean, we all knew like the shock value of it in the moment when it happened against Iowa, but the trickle-down effect that that's had, and then since that loss, obviously you had the loss of Jayshon Jones and you lost Marcus Fleming. Uh, it's been a crapshoot just trying to find a go-to target, the replacement. I think Rack's been very consistent, but he can't be the only guy. And he's still young himself. He's still developing. He's still kind of coming into his own. You had the flash in the pan game by Carlos Carrier, but they haven't had that go-to wide receiver uh, to replace that production. Yeah, and Carrier has looked decent since then. He's not obviously been that world-beating wide receiver, no. but I it's it's not like he showed up that game and disappeared. He's he has been one of the most consistent hands on the team um, ever since the game before his breakout, really. Um, so it's good to see that. But yeah, Marcus Fleming was one of our bright spots that yeah. that that showed up. His first game out wasn't very good, but again, we talked. You they as as many reps as you get in practice the ones were getting them and he wasn't there so he he looked much better after he started getting those one reps and now he's disappeared yeah. we're so deep into this wide receiver room we we talked about how deep it was we're finding out like right. we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point right and and you think back to to any good quarterbacks even you look at the NFL and you look at all the good quarterbacks in the NFL they all have that security blanket they all have that one go-to guy and then they got a bunch of other guys around that one guy Demas was that guy for him right and yeah. he hasn't been able to find that replacement i said for a long time that i thought chig using the tight end should be that next piece should be the target, especially in the Mike Loxley offense, because he was so prevalent in using the tight end when he was at Alabama. I figured that that would be the kind of next thing to to progress in this offense, and we hadn't seen it up until these last two weeks. And here's Coach talking about Chig and his production. You know, our tight ends, both you know Corey and Chig, have both uh, the last couple of weeks come up big. You know, obviously with some of the 
uh, attrition we've had at the receiver position, uh, it's opening up opportunities there. And, you know, we still got some guys like Rakim Jared and, uh, you know, Daryl Jones and then Carlos Carrier that have continued to get the, you know, attention. And so it creates some matchups there for our tight ends. And, you know, I like the way Chig is playing at a high level, made, made a couple of big plays, big catches for us. And uh, we just got to continue to uh, find ways to incorporate them in our system and, you know, finish drives. And it's not just a couple. I mean, we're talking 20 catches in the last two games combined. It's most ever by a Terps tight end in a two-game span and 197 yards. That's the kind of production that we need from a true number one target, not number one wide receiver, but a number one target in the passing game. Yeah, that's Vernon Davis numbers right there. <laughs> I, I remember watching him. That was one of the most exciting times in Maryland history. So go Chig, man. You you bring it up, bring it up good memories. Glad to see the tight end finally getting used in College Park. Well, speaking of receivers, side note, I have heard some rumors, some rumblings. Nick DeGenero has really stood out at practice the last couple of weeks. Also, Ty Felton could be ready to see some action this week. So a couple of guys that haven't had a whole lot of opportunities. Keep them on your radar. Be on the lookout for them on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, we were excited about Nick, or at least I was beating the drum for Nick at the beginning of the year. He had that hand injury um, that the beginning of the year that kept him out. So, though we are deep, deep into this closet of wide receivers, he is one of the people that I still have a little bit of hope for because the reason he hadn't already hit the field was injury related and not skill related right and i truly believe this kid could be special i hope he gets to show it here and now that way he can stick around and really show off next year with a full season yeah i agree let's flip over to the other side of the ball defensively uh as we said you know this is this is a unit that is reeling due to injuries especially on the secondary uh and at the linebacker position uh but this was a defense that had been struggling right again to your point it would have been five weeks or six weeks since we've had a turnover we end up forcing two in this game yeah first two since the Kent State game actually um I think overall yeah we gave up 40 points but you know when you're going up against a running back like Kenneth Walker who is one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy at this point I thought early we did a pretty good job on limiting his impact he had a couple of chunk yard plays uh, it wasn't really until the defense got worn down and they were on the field too often that he really started to become effective, and he ended up going for 143 in this game. Yeah, the first half was kind of unbelievable how much we were able to control the running game. That was not expected whatsoever. Um, yeah. We've seen we've seen teams just kind of really abuse us in the running game all year, uh, so it was good to see that was possible. We are certainly going to need that this upcoming week as well. Uh, very good rushing offense. So, but it it did end up bleeding out by the end of the end of the game on defense but really I think it was more of a mental thing I mean how many opportunities could the defense give the offense right. that they could piss away before they were just going to be like it's over right we're just going to take this over regardless yeah, I mean I never saw real quit in them but like you just can't keep that kind of a venom or kind of steam I still saw people all the way down uh Mosley big hits big plays all the way with like one minute left in the game down 20 points like there is no quit in this team unfortunately it's just not working out and I think it's really taking a toll on all these players I will say it I'm going to give the coaching staff and the team a lot of credit that is one thing that I've noticed about this team is there is no quit in this team really I haven't seen them quit in any game this year outside of maybe the the Iowa game and the only reason I say that is because I think their heart was ripped out with the big injury to Dante Demas it was turnover after turnover I mean who wouldn't have we, quit in that game? <laughs> we can't know who quit because Talia didn't give us an opportunity That's to true. see anyone else play. That's he, true. He was throwing interceptions on our own 20 every time he had a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, on this defensive unit, this was a unit that we had high expectations for, and I think if they don't have all the injuries that they have and now having all the inexperience out there, uh, for me, I think the big hole is the lack of the quarterback on the defense, not having that chance Campbell out there. Uh, it all adds up, right? And and this defense is young, uh, and they're they're again. I think they're progressing. Things are getting better, considering uh, just the the injuries that they've been ravaged with this year. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of good experience going around. There's still some very good young players. It is unfortunate how deep into the injuries the linebacker core specifically has gone. There have been times where the 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 DBs are completely decimated as well. Yeah. Right now, we're kind of okay. We're still missing some pieces, but like 
that's expected normal losses in a football season. The linebackers and the wide receivers for the Terps are unexpected percentages of loss. Like right. you're not supposed to lose this many guys in one position in a season. Um, so those are the kind of the ones that really stick out. Sure, Cam Scamble being here would have been great, but based on the what we've seen this year, he'd just be injured on the sidelines too. And you got to remember, this is a seventh ranked team in the country. This is and they've earned it. We're this we're ten games deep into the year. They are the seventh ranked team in the country, and, and we were and, almost within six many many times yeah, in the second half. Right. I mean, to the point of earlier, there were multiple opportunities that we had to be right into this game at the very end. Uh, so I, it's not as bad as it may seem, at least in my opinion. And you but gotta, it doesn't matter unless we get six. This right. is again another one of those games where if if Loxley sneaks out of six this week or next. In the recruiting world, I think he needs one this week to keep this locker room together. But in the recruiting world, if he wins any combination of six, he can go in and say, look, we turn around to a bowl game and look at these other games, how close we were to taking down big time competition. But if you only have five wins, nobody cares about how close you were to that sixth win. You have to get the bowl and then show, look how different it could have been. We could have went from the Meineke Car Care Bowl to the Rose Bowl with three plays going our way. Yeah, that's very true. You know, before we move on to the next game in Michigan, man, the one thing, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Mel Tucker and the job that he's done at Michigan State in the short amount of time that he has done makes me extremely jealous. (laughs) In the works on a 10-year, $90 million extension would make him one of the highest-paid coaches in the country. Uh, I mean, again, to take them from where they were, which was basically a bottom dweller in the Big Ten for a few years there, and turn them around as quickly as he has to a top 10 team in the country, I mean, it's a job well done. It's an absolute job well done. All we can sit here and hope is that it was just one of those weird years in college football and they were good for no reason. And Michigan (laughs) State is making a terrible financial decision that they have to make because with all the job openings already before the season's even ended with the USC, the UCLA, the LSU, there's so many positions open that anyone that believes in their current coach has to throw money at them. And it's not just positions. These are prestigious programs. Yes, it's, it's crazy. And we're not even... Even out of the season yet. I right. mean, this is going to be a very, very interesting offseason in college football. All right. Well, like you said, we got two games left to go to get to that number six win. Up next, nine and one, number six ranked Michigan Wolverines trying to win the Big Ten East. Come to College Park on Saturday, 3 30 kickoff, senior day. This is a team that presents a lot of problems offensively. They've got a very good offensive line. They're a very good balanced team, but they're a run-first team. It's absolutely a run-first team. You have a game manager behind center that does decent, short passing game. I mean, you know, Penn State only hit us with slants for a million yards, so the short (laughs) passing game can be long passing game real easy if you don't pay attention to your job. But they certainly don't have a top number one pick wide receiver like Penn State did. Yeah, you're not going to see them work over the top and take those big chunk plays like you've seen with some of these other games that we've gone up against. Cade's going to work a lot of his passes underneath, allow his wide receivers to kind of operate in space. The big thing really is going to be the run game. They're second in the Big Ten in rushing, 13th nationally. Uh, Running back Blake Corum's questionable, but running back Hassan Haskins, big athletic back, makes big splash plays, that's going to be the challenge for this defensive line and the linebackers. Yeah, all you got to do is just focus and figure out whatever in the hell you did at the beginning of that Michigan State game, and <laughs> let's do that again because right. that's 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 what you need. If you can bottle them up like that, they don't have that wide receiver quarterback connection that Michigan State had to beat you that easily. Like Michigan State uh, and the little number one wide receiver that I will take all the heat in the world – I thought Locks overrated that player. I said that on the show last week right. that he was not that special of a receiver. He, I don't know if he's that special receiver, but they had like a Jordy Nelson uh, and Aaron Rodgers type connection. There yeah. was they were one brain on that football field, and it was something to watch. So I uh, totally wrong, totally bad to cold take Thursday here. <laughs> shell and tell. right. <laughs> Well, what's it going to take, man? What's it going to take to pull out a miracle victory here? Because uh, that's what it's going to be. Honestly, it's going to be a miracle victory. The, 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 everything's going to have to be perfect. In my eyes, the offensive line has to play big in this game. you got to give Talia as much time as possible to operate. Talia has to play under control. He can't get panicky. 
uh, and you have to eliminate the issues in the red zone. You have to be effective in the red zone. Opposite of what it's been, 70, 70% effectiveness, which is the second worst in the Big Ten, that has to be different or you are going to lose this game. Yeah, I mean, you have to play like your offense has between the 20s. You have to play defense like you did in the first half of Michigan State. You have to have special teams that don't ruin the day for you, which <laughs> I was the only thing that we didn't have that Michigan State game. There weren't any great special teams plays. There was certainly a missed field goal, but you know that happens when you go from a 15-yarder to a 40-yarder in college. Right. But uh, it was the one thing that we – Penn State, it was probably the biggest issue was the special teams failures. And in uh, Michigan State, it was just another thing that went wrong slightly. It wasn't it wasn't the thing I was sitting here go. Can we just, you know, take away all their scholarships and send them home? I'm done with special teams. Right. They did OK. They, they've held their own. Yeah, they like you said they just got to play mistake free football on all three levels, offensive, defensive, and special teams. If they really want to win this game, you can't have the penalties. You can't shoot yourself in the foot. All right, what do you see happening in this game, Ryan? I'll let you start. What's the prediction for this game? I think we need it. I think the team knows they need it. I think that this is. Oh, man. A senior day for a lot more than just the seniors if this goes poorly. What do we like, have, like 25 is, seniors or something I heard? Yeah. It's a big number. It's And not all of them have been here four years. You know, it is what it is. But they, with a lot of transfers, it locks out to do. But there are a lot of people that have done a lot of things for this program. And if we don't win this game, I think that transfer season is going to hurt. Yeah. So... I think this is a lot of people's last home game in a Maryland uniform if we lose, so they're going to be playing their ass off, and I truly think we get the miracle this week. I I really do. Wow. Um, I could be super dead wrong. They could run on us for 500 yards, and we could be crying by halftime, but I think that because of the defense I saw in the first half at Michigan State game, it gives me a lot of hope. If you play like that on defense – this offense could build a lead at halftime before that's going to wear you down because they're I think not going to be double digit dogs right now going into. I know it. we're fifteen point dogs. Yeah, yep. and I think that we squeak this one out twenty four twenty one victory against the number six right <sighs> Michigan Wolverines. You run in the field if that happens. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna reenact 2007 i like it though though me next to talia is gonna look a little bit more ridiculous than me next to uh <laughs> if um, you and i are running next to talia he's gonna have nightmares gonna look, he's gonna look really small and <laughs> that wasn't true with turner turner was still much taller than i was especially in helmet uh, all right i wish i was as optimistic as you um, i don't expect it but that's I, for some reason i just have this feeling that we and i think it's just my desperation that we need it and yeah. so I'm so I want it. You're super hopeful and you want it. I get it. I, I understand. I mean, I want it just yeah. as much as you do. And I'm so scared of a loss this weekend, even yeah. with a win against against Rutgers. I'm scared of this loss. Yeah, I understand everything you're saying. And I 100 percent agree with you why this win, not just the sixth win, but why this win is so important to this squad and who stays and who goes. So I 100 percent agree with you that, God, if they're going to win one of these two games, let it be this one. Uh, if I could choose, but I just don't see it happening. And the reason I say that is because I just haven't seen Talia step up when the light was the brightest and win that game. He doesn't have that, that big notch on his belt yet. And it seems like he gets nervous. He gets anxious. And when the the, the, the lights come on, the brightest is when he tends to kind of make the most mistakes a la Iowa. And I'm not saying it's going to be a repeat of Iowa. I think he'll play better. I think he learned from Iowa. But I don't think this ends well. And I do think the Terps lose this one. I got Michigan's winning this 38-24 uh, in a 14-point game. Yeah, I just, I'm just hoping that Talia can focus that magic of the second half of the Illinois game where he was playing with full-blown emotion and clearly playing for coach. And if you're going to do that any other time this year, this is the game. This is the game that to send out your brothers on a high note to to get the fans like 
on your side one last time and to really show something. I know it's a high to ask. I know it's very unlikely. I You're know comparing I apples some... and oranges, Illinois and Michigan. Well, they beat Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> True that they did. Here goes your whole well, Penn State lost. To... <laughs> yeah, that, that, it never works. But you no. have to talk about it until you get there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, man. Well, let's switch over to basketball as the season's underway now. Terps now three and one after a seventy-one sixty-six loss to George Mason last night. But before we catch you up on the year, we gotta talk about our courtside experience, thanks to a very appreciative supporter of the show, Rudy Gersten at DC Barno. Ryan, tell the story. Oh man, well we. All we did was put yes, please, yes on Twitter. <laughs> he was giving away the exhibition tickets um, before the before the regular season started. And, you know, court side has just always been a dream. You know, you sit up there anywhere in the stands and you look down and you see Cal Ripken and Kevin Plank and Walt ha- Williams. Hang and- on a second. <laughs> Paint the image correctly, right? Because there's a lot of seats that are on the actual court, right? We are sitting baseline, front row, Feet on the letters of the Terrapins across the baseline, literally five feet off of the out of bound line. Yeah, I was just painting my dream of being able to get down there, but yeah, we, <laughs> but but yeah, the seats were probably better than I ever anticipated, even dreaming of. It it was unbelievable, especially with the Terp scoring on our basket. Yeah. Like, Fred and I had our phones out recording like slow-mo videos of all <laughs> we didn't get to like really watch the game until the second half where they were playing away from us because it was just so unbelievably cool to get that kind of angle that yeah we were watching we were in the game but it was a lot of like we're never gonna be experiences again let's capture any moment of this <laughs> and what was really cool it was like we had our own personal invitation to a Terps dunk contest prior to the game because out during warm-ups and they're doing their layup drills you got Fats Russell out there you got you know Eric Ayala you got some of these big hoppers out there that you know Reese is out there Cutis Wahab all these big boys and you got little five foot seven <laughs> he's listening at five eleven. I called him seven. five nine the other day. Now you're going five seven. He's so small. He's so short, but he's got springs that makes him play six eleven. Man, this guy, his head and neck above the rim. He doing has multiple blocks dunks. this year. I know it's <laughs> unreal the athleticism this guy has. It's almost. It's almost like he doesn't know how to control it at times. It becomes so fast that like he can play a little out of control at times. But man, was he super entertaining to watch in person, especially that close. Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable athlete. He does need to kind of be able to rein it in. Sometimes it's a, a little hectic, the balls yeah. ball squirting out. But he usually makes up for it because yeah. he because he's kind of gets angry and then he plays a. You know, we play like a weird one man full court press with him where we just let him pressure by himself right. everybody else stand back here you just hassle anybody you feel like because he has unlimited energy he plays like the whole game doesn't come off the court and doesn't seem to slow down i mean we had anthony cowan that i always kind of what kind of looked down on turds for running him that that long but he pretty much handled his own to be able to do it i don't have any question that fats russell can run the whole game and be equal like it doesn't he does not slow down it's not even it's a whole nother level from the Anthony Cowan Energizer Bunny. Right. No, I agree. Well, like I said, Terps right now, three and one. They had three wins to start the year, not so dominant wins against Quinnipiac, George Washington, and Vermont. Yes, they were all wins, uh, but they were, you know, they were close to double digit wins. They weren't very big. Uh, then they come in uh, to a loss to George Mason at home. They've been dreadful behind the arc consistently firing shots even though they're not shooting well uh outside of a run of threes late by ayala to keep us in the game they would have been below 30 percent again against george mason and i'm so easy to get back on the eric ayala bandwagon bro that first shot he made to bring it within four <laughs> i was like eric and like bounded my chest in it. and then he walks back up and does that like crossover move from 40 feet and drains another one with like no reason he needed to take that shot in that moment. It was like a contested fadeaway three from far too deep and drains it. And I'm like, "What? Why are you playing with these boys? What are you doing?" I couldn't. I could not believe that he missed that last one because yeah. I was just like, oh, "This is it. Of course, of course, we win this. This is his moment. Right? <laughs> this is 
This is the very breakout. Right. <laughs> He's going to make everyone the rest of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of that little stretch, he just hasn't been the more dominant takeover a game type of presence we thought he might be so far again it's only four games in but again this is again some of the the lesser talent some of the you know this obviously the the cupcake part of your schedule uh but we thought he'd have bigger impact especially moving over to the two guard spot yes he's still averaging 15 points a game but he's only shooting 35 percent from the field 30 percent from three 69 percent from the line uh he's off to a rough start yeah this team at least we talked about uh, when they came out ranked number 21. Well, my comment was, well, we'll just have to see. What's the race to 15 or 25? Well, it started sneaking towards that 15. They bumped up to 20, but I'm pretty certain 25 is the first thing that gets us. We're going we're to fall out of this ranking. I think they'll get it back at some point this year. Yeah. This, is, this is a young team, and it's also a team of just misfits. The number of transfers that are getting real minutes and having to learn how to play together right now, it's just crazy. I mean, you got Martinez getting a bunch of time. You got Quotas Wahab, Fats Russell, everybody's uh, all these transfers coming in. Julian Reese for the freshman not have play with these guys. I think that they will get a lot better. I maybe had a too high expectations to think of this as an elite eight team this year, but I do think that we will be remain competitive in the Big Ten and get better throughout the year. Yeah, we far from haven't seen the best of this team yet. Like, the, like to your point, there's a lot of moving pieces, there's a lot of changings with this team. You got a lot of new transfers that are coming in. You got a lot of guys that have never played together. Freshmen that are playing a lot bigger minutes than we ever could have expected. You got a presence down low that you hadn't had that you didn't have at all last year. So all these guys are getting adjusted to that. Uh, and speaking of the low pros presence, man, like we said, Julian Reed has been uh, a phenom. Uh, he and- will be the best player on that team next year, and he may be by March. Uh, potentially. I mean, listen, Kudis, he will be next year. Kudis has looked really, really good. Now, he didn't play a whole lot of minutes in this George Mason game. Like, they didn't play a low post game in this game at all. Really, George Mason didn't allow them to throw the ball inside. Really, the Terps just kept passing the ball along the arc, trying to find an open shooter. Really didn't get a whole lot of good looks in this game. Uh, it just it wasn't a clean game. Didn't look good. Uh, didn't look like they had a really good game plan going into it. Yeah, this it, it just wasn't our night. I think that George Mason's probably a little better than we expected, and I think that we're worse than we expected, and that's just what happens. It was one of those days. I. It's not going to be our last loss. We know that. I don't even know if it'll be our last loss out of conference. Well, if you listen to the social media and you listen to the fans out there, like we said earlier, already calling for Turge's head after the loss and some interesting comments that he made in his post-game presser after this game. They're playing with incredible confidence right now. We're not. You know, we we think we're supposed to beat everybody. It's not that way. It's too hard. We, We didn't vote ourselves 20th, okay? And so you take everybody's best shot, and we don't know how to handle it yet. As soon as, as, soon as we figure out how to handle it, um, you know, we're going to be a better, better team. But they really spread it. They got good players. You know, people was able to get downhill because we're worried about Swartz. And then, how about Odura over the right shoulder? It's one point game. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, we didn't vote ourselves 20th. A lot of people are reacting to that, saying it's kind of the, the loser mentality and saying things like that. What's your take on what he had to say? Uh, I don't think he knew what he was saying. I think he <laughs> said that he said that we aren't playing with confidence right now. Then he followed that up with, we think we're going to beat everybody. Those are two polar opposite things that can't be true. If you think you're going to beat everybody, you're playing with confidence. Then you <laughs> right. also say, we didn't vote ourselves 20th. Well, you better talk to your starting point guard because I remember the quote that said that he think that's a little low for me. Right. They thought they were better than 20th. And like you said, they think they're going to beat everybody. And it kind of shows in the lack of urgency and the fact that we have been behind it every halftime and we win every game. And we very well could have without that last second amazing post play over Reese, who was playing great defense, right. won that game. If he doesn't make that amazing last second in the in the shot clock fade away too, we're a one-point game with the ball with 40 seconds left. Right. That was 
kind of the backbreaker. Because at that point, all we could do was tie with a three, and it just kind of took the wind out of the sails. All we would have needed a two to take the lead. That that play changed everything at the end. We should never have let them be there. The worst thing you can give a bad team is hope, and this team gave them far too much hope. I think the whole we didn't vote ourselves 20th thing, it's getting misconstrued. I, I think I personally, the way I take that is he meant more so – we didn't make our we didn't vote ourselves as a ranked team cuz when you are a ranked team you have a target on your back and when you have all of these teams especially these lower tiered teams that are coming in they're going to give you their absolute best because this is their this is their Super Bowl. Like this is their this is their championship game. They want to win this. They want to upset this ranked team. And I think again with with the challenges that this team has with all the transfers coming in and learning to play together and all that stuff, getting some of these experienced teams that have played together, giving it their best going into this game, these are the types of things that can happen. And this is men's basketball now. This is every team has talent. Yeah, they are with all, the transfer any, portal, absolutely. Any any school that you've heard the name before, and I promise you, you've heard George Mason. They were a Final Four team in two thousand six. Yep, I mean, <laughs> they're right down the ago, road. But yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we were a Final Four team in two thousand two. So right. you know, uh, I guess they're a better program than us. <laughs> I, I mean, it's every school that you know the name has elite talent it's all spread out now it's not back in the day where the top 20 teams were head shoulders knees and toes over everybody else because at that point only the top 20 teams got tv coverage so they had to go play for those teams now everybody's got tv coverage at every school across the whole country so everybody wants to be the top one or two players on their team and all the talent spreads out across the country women's basketball nobody gets on tv but uconn and maryland Guess who's got all the players? UConn and Maryland. That's how that works. Right. TV has completely changed college basketball. Completely changed it. Right. No, I completely agree. One last thing I wanted to get your take on before we sign off for the week. James Graham. Right. So he's the freshman, now legit freshman, right? He got came in early as a 17-year-old, got a little bit of experience last year. We didn't know what to expect of him this year, but again, he's a freshman. Uh, so I think he's going to just kind of be worked in slowly, but I think his expectations are obviously higher and he had some, obviously some issues with playing time after the the first game uh, and he was put on suspension. Well, he, he was allowed to come back and suited up for this game against George Mason. Didn't see the court. And today on social media, he puts two posts out first one, stay strong. One, one being his number. Second of an older video of him in a gym playing a pickup game, making all kinds of shots all over the court. Smart to be doing that or no? (laughs) I mean, it's not smart, but it's also not negative. This comes off very Lance Legend to me. Yes. That was the first thing I thought too. Every tweet of his sounded like he was transferring. And every tweet sounded like he was like a little like borderline suicidal. <laughs> like, like it was, like, it was a message. It, it was a message to himself, though. I don't think so. Stay strong. One. What? How would that be anything else? Like maybe the video would be a message. That's what I'm talking about more so. Yeah. But what the stay strong one with it is like, I feel like he's in his own head about. He's always been the biggest, baddest, best thing on the court. That's what these guys are, like all of them, when they're playing at this level. And he is not that. In fact, with the amount of weight loss he had, which is almost inexcusable (laughs) in your first year of college under Kyle Tarp, I don't even know how that happens, um, he is probably unable to play anything but the two right now. And even that's kind of questionable on the defensive end. So... It is what it is. I think that just the fact that he let he was let back on the team, the fact that we haven't seen anything crazy like the Mitchell twins where mommy's mouthing off or daddy's mouthing off or you know anything going on that could have very easily happened during this three-game suspension, I, I think there's a chance that he makes it. I understand he's on thin ice. I understand that it could be his choice or our choice that he's not welcome back. That's going to be I, my question is how short is the leash with, with Turge? I truly think it's a short leash, but 
I think that the fact that he was allowed back on the sidelines for this game shows that at least right now he's doing what he needs to do to stay on the team. Look, this is he is 18 years old. His 19th birthday is until after the season. If he was done and didn't like Turge or the answers the way this was talking about, he could have very easily said, I'm in the transfer portal. And he would have had 30 suitors that would have been high-quality teams. I mean, this guy was a four-star coming in. He's young as all hell. There's plenty of opportunity to to shape him into what you want him to be. So the fact that he's wanted to stick around is a much better situation than the Mitchell Twins. I, I don't. The question is, is it a Ricky Lindo? We didn't know how unhappy Ricky Lindo was to to leave the way he did. I kind of thought that he was playing the role he was supposed to play, and apparently he didn't feel that way. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, the suspension speaks for itself. Obviously, there was some sort of verbal exchange there. The cryptic tweets with now putting out a video showing you, you know, making shots all over the court. I don't know. To me, this kid might be more than it's worth as far as all the effort that goes into it. You know, one of the comments about this squad uh, going into the year was how much fun that this unit had playing together. And you don't want to have that one bad apple because one bad apple can ruin all of that. Uh, And if he is that much of a distraction... That's true, but the suspension, we've never really heard of this before, and we heard of all the problems that were happening with the Mitchell Twins last year, and it was more of Turge letting the players handle it. Like, they they were the ones that were squashing this. They were the ones that we don't allow this here, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. All the It it wasn't able to stay in-house. Everything got loud and out in the public, and the players and mom got louder, and it blew up in his face. So I really just think this is a reaction in the complete opposite direction of, I'm the leader of this team. I'm going to shut this down, and we'll see how you respond. And if it works, great. And and of course, this is you're talking about 18-year-old kids. It might work with him and completely backfire the next time he tries it. So you just don't know. But it's only time will tell. I still think the kid has a possible future with us. But again, it's college basketball. People transfer because the wind blows. So there's a decent chance none of these players are back on the team next year. I had, if you would put a gun to my head, there's no way I would have said Marcel would be playing for Marquette right now and beating Illinois without us. Like I, that's, that's just unfeasible to me that that Baltimore boy that gave everything to us and, and seemed like the biggest, most honest version of a Terp would spend his final year of eligibility at another school and not playing professional basketball. Like, I thought there was a chance he left us for Europe. Right. But I really cannot believe he's playing in different colors, and it feels gross, but good for him. He left for a chance to, to have more offensive opportunity, and he's getting it. He's, he's doing well. He's doing well. But listen, the sky isn't falling. This team is going to be much better than what they were against George Mason. They will drill together as a unit. There's no questioning the talent that is on this roster. There is a ton of talent. It's a matter of can they put it all together and when will they do that? Uh, it'll take time, but this team will be better. Get out there and support the team. I've honestly been pretty disappointed with the fan turnout so far at the first four games of the year. I understand it's early on. It's not Big Ten play, but the tickets aren't expensive. You can pretty much sit anywhere you want to. Get out there and support them. If you want to talk yeah, all this crap, well, get out there and support them. Voice your opinion at the court. Yeah, thank you. How did we almost let this go? Uh, not only the fans, who, by the way, yes, if you go on umterps.com, the tickets are kind of expensive. I'd appreciate if you bought them there anyway and donated some money to the school. But go to Game Time. Have you guys ever said the Game Time app? There are so many people that have bought season tickets this year because they just want to keep them and are clearly not going to any of the games because they're being sold for like $5 a ticket. Like they're they're just trying to get any money back to hold their spot to come next year. There are plenty of people that are apparently still scared of this virus indoors and not going in there. What is wrong with you students? How is that student section so pathetic? They can barely do the flag drop. I was so excited to see how you were supporting this college football team. I thought the pandemic showed you that you were missing group gatherings, that you were missing things to do. What in the world? This is the worst fan showing I've ever seen in my life. Not to mention the fact that the first four games were announced as student sellouts. So who are you all you morons that collected your tickets and didn't go to the game? 
Right. Like, what are you doing? Not only are you not showing up and hurting your team, but you're making sure somebody else doesn't get to show up. You're the worst kind of person, and I don't want you to be a turp anymore. I agree. <laughs> Couldn't have said it any better myself, man. Well, with the football squad, they play on Saturday. It's the last home game of the year. If you don't have a ticket, get out there. It's a 3.30 kickoff. We'll be tailgating in lot 4B like we are every week. If you want to come by and see us, we'd love to meet you, do a, a, a you know a meet and greet or hang out and do some shots with you at shot 30. Whatever you want to do, get out there Saturday, support the football team, and let's rush the field together and hope for a Terps win, Ryan. Yeah, well, speaking of meet and greet, we had a really cool opportunity to partner with a fan this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we're going to have be going down to D.C. Uh, this is Saturday, December 4th. Uh, this is a public event. It's for Movember, uh, raising money for men's health, uh, both like prostate cancer, men's suicide awareness, a bunch of cool stuff they're raising money for. Uh, this is their seventh annual. Uh, they've been doing a pig roast down here with all the fixings. All you can eat, all you can drink. It's $65. Saturday, December 4th at 3 p.m. Myself, Fred, and Ahmed will all be there. Uh, if you want to come, eat some food, have some drinks with us, talk yeah. some Maryland football, talk some Maryland basketball. Hopefully, we'll be talking about the upcoming bowl game because we would have snuck this six win out. We'd love to see you guys out there. We don't get to go out a lot as a as a show um, and really you know get to hang out, especially with uh, with uh, Ahmed. And so we're really wanting to make this a cool event. Yeah, man. Who doesn't want to stuff their face, get hammered, and talk Terps football and Terps basketball all for a good cause? Get out there and support it. Uh, we'd love to meet up with you guys and have a good time. Yeah, so we have the link uh, on a page on our Twitter. We'll also put it on Facebook. Uh, but Twitter is definitely the easiest way to put it. Follow it. We'll have it pinned uh, to our profile. And we've already tweeted this week. So please follow the link. Pay your $65 and come see us Saturday, December 4th. And if you're not following us on Twitter yet, do so. You can follow us at Shell and Tell Pod. You can follow Ryan at Terps B. Espert. You can follow me at Fred BLBS. And you can follow Ahmed at Gafir the Turtle. Make sure if you have any questions that you want to be a part of the show, send them in. Send them to us on Twitter or send them to our Gmail at shellandtellpod at gmail.com. Ryan, sign us off. Well, we got half the fans out there, at least the loud ones, that want to fire Turge and fire Locke. <laughs> so I don't know what we got going on for us anymore, but we're going to keep it positive here. We're going to get these last wins and not worry about it and look forward to the future. It is senior day. If you are going to the game, please show up before players are announced. This is the last time out of the tunnel. This new entrance is something that we've been waiting for. The epic showmanship of Maryland has finally reached its peak with the screen, the shell, the tunnel. It's awesome. So get in the stands early for this one. Even if you usually drink till halfway through the first quarter, just one time. Get in there before before the players are announced for Senior Day and recognize these guys' awards. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the shell. <laughs>